Walkabout episode four. Are wrist locks useless? Now, wrist locks, I'm talking about what you see with classical jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu, and Chinese chin na grappling, where you see someone's hand and you twist it and you twist their arm and it will break the wrist or it will lock them in a painful hold. A wrist lock, right? They're not always locks. Sometimes they're just, you know, manipulating the wrist to get a change in the opponent structure. But you see all the time, all the time in classical jujitsu. I've trained in Japanese jujitsu, so I've done a lot of wrist locks. But at the same time, I'm not married to wrist locks. I don't think wrist locks are high percentage moves. I don't think you're going to see anytime soon you know, a plethora of wrist locks being used, say, with actual combat artists. And uh, I think there's a reason for that, of course. And for the most part, it's obvious wrist locks uh, don't work very well against highly muscular trained combat artists. A lot of times wrist locks won't you work very well against a larger athletic opponent. Imagine getting a wrestler who's stronger than you and bigger than you, you know, a college level wrestler in some sort of Aikido or Japanese jujitsu wrist lock, probably not going to work so much. Um, it just doesn't work very well. Wrist locks don't work very well in the combat arts and they're often ridiculed. And there's a reason for that. They don't work very well in the combat arts. There is a type of wrist lock that is used in grappling competitions used successfully. And uh, you can look it up. It's basically where you capture the arm and you use both hands to crank the wrist back. So in a way, it's a really crude wrist lock, especially compared to some of the real, you know, what I might call alpha wrist locks of Japanese jujitsu, where you're doing a lot of fancy manipulations of the opponent and throws. And of course, your training partner is being compliant and letting you do those wrist locks. But I want to, my, the significant thrust, you know, a lot of what I just said was just to, you know, lay the foundation, kind of just, you know, get, get you thinking about wrist locks. And, and I agree, totally agree that <clears throat> wrist locks are not the best for combat. So then why do you see it so much in Japanese martial arts is the question. Or why do you see it in, why is Chinese chin na like, why does it even exist? You know, both both Chin Na and classical Japanese Jiu-Jitsu have many different techniques, but they certainly have a good amount of wrist locks, and they both have a similar history, actually. And and I think the the history of Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and the history of Chinese Chin Na help explain the function of wrist locks. When you ask the question, are wrist locks useless? Well, in MMA, well, maybe they are. Maybe. 95% of them are. And we'll find that, you know, we have found in Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition that the that double wrist lock move works. I mean, I have that on my Somatic Fringe YouTube channel if you want to look at that. It's a really short clip. A successful wrist lock. <clears throat> and so let me get to the actual, my main point, the answer. And I want to make this a long rant. But where are wrist locks useful? 
is the sort of positive end of that question. And I would like for people to debate it and think about it and talk about it. But I think to a lot of logically minded people, I think you'll eventually agree with me when I say that wrist locks are not totally useless. Once I explain what I mean. Who uses wrist locks? You see it with pro wrestling for sure, but I'm not talking about like pro wrestling, um, you know, where they're doing a little wrist twist thing, you know, or what have you. But let me get right to it. It's the police. And it's a wrist locks work well with people who are semi-compliant. It doesn't work well at all against athletic you know, opponents who are completely non-compliant, unless they're already dazed or knocked out or what have you. But when you see police use wrist locks successfully throughout the world, they've already got the person in a weak position, or the person simply weaker than them, or really drunk. It's a great way without actually committing to full, you know, full body throws or strikes to the head or choking them. You can restrain somebody who's weaker than you or who is semi-compliant. And wrist locks work, can work, work quite magically, actually. Wrist locks can put the opponent in a compliant position where you can handcuff them easily. So in, in a way, against weaker semi-compliant opponents, wrist locks are a much better than striking them if you don't want to hurt them or get, you know, sued. It's much better than choking them. It's much better than getting your body close to them and grappling and trying to throw them. This is where the wrist lock is the, is the answer. You're trying to subdue someone without destroying their skull or choking them out. Someone who's weaker than you with a wrist lock, if you know wrist locks, you know you can really manipulate it a uh, weaker opponent quite easily and almost comically with all the wrist lock variations you can do. But the great thing about wrist locks is you can keep someone, you know, a little bit away from your body, you know, with the pain of the wrist lock and it wrist locks don't work well against opponents who are bigger than you. And another thing is wrist locks don't work well with opponents the same size as you. Um, and sometimes they don't work very well against somebody who's smaller, but really strong and completely non-compliant, compliant. It usually, the wrist locks usually work well against someone who doesn't have very much muscular development. You can see it in some people's shoulders and shoulder blades and, and, and just their forearms and hands that they're not that strong and that you could easily manipulate them with a wrist lock without any fear of them, you know, countering you or striking you, you know, an Aikido or classical jujitsu wonderland, uh, basically, or some might say a fantasy land, uh, where wrist locks actually work well. And it really does exist, but it's what I said. It's somebody who's semi-compliant and definitely weaker than you and with a low musculature or really drunk, you know, and weak or what have you, or you're already, you know, you have another officer, you know, restraining their legs and you're just taking the wrist because you want to put it in the handcuffs. Well, sometimes knowing your wrist lock positions will help you with that manipulation. <clears throat> so that's backed up by the idea of contemporary police forces, but also historical police forces. Because when you really look historically at, at Chinese chin, now, at least from what I can tell, 
Chinese chinna, but definitely Japanese jujitsu. They both went through periods where the system was preserved, not by warriors out on the battlefield, but what you might say, semi-soldiers, or basically people that served as a police force in urban areas and on roads and and that sort of thing. So we're talking about more police-type um, professions where Japanese jiu-jitsu began to, in some ways, rely very heavily on wrist manipulations, you know, instead of, say, counters against a samurai sword or, you know, full-body throws or, you know, techniques to topple someone in full armor. No, what you see in Japan, the people who, was, who were practicing Japanese jiu-jitsu uh, before the really famous competition in Japan where uh, judo beats jiu-jitsu and judo becomes the official, say, uh, um, martial arts system of Japanese police forces. Really interesting event. You can look that up as well. But uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu for the longest time, you know, basically pre-modern eras, um, was very much preserved by the policing forces. And so when you look at Japanese illustrations, they're not samurai who are, who are walking the cities and taking in drunk people or thieves or, you know, catching thieves or, you know, or what have you. They're actually, uh, they have their own outfit. They have their own weapons. They have their own ways of training. And some of these people in these uh, so-called early feudalistic uh, police forces, they would carry something known as a jute. And the jute was interesting because, well, it didn't have a stabby end. So you don't want your police carrying around swords and just killing people. You want them to have a blunt weapon um, that you can use just to knock someone out, subdue them, knock a knife out of their hand. And that's what the jute is. And what's interesting is the name jute translates as ten hands. So the idea is that that weapon simply gives you the power of ten hands. You know, you're not killing somebody, you're just enhanced. So we can compare that to the more modern police baton or PR-24 tonfa. <clears throat> that actually came from, you know, Okinawa as well, uh, in, you know, south of Japan. Um, so you see certain similarities in policing um, sort of need. You know, policemen don't need to kill people they're going to put in jail who are violating the law. They just need to subdue them as safely as possible sort of idea. Theoretically, at least, right? And so you see these older Japanese police forces um, that had their own version of the baton, the jute, and they were often uh, experts at hojojutsu, which is tying with a rope, subduing somebody with a rope, tying knots quickly. That was their handcuffs, of course. And so their jujitsu oftentimes wasn't so much about grabbing somebody like in judo and doing hip throws and committing to grappling. It was more about using your jute to either knock them out or get the weapon out of their hands. Having, having several officers instead of just one, you know, strategies that you have. Don't go one-on-one, -on -one, always have superior force. And those wrist locks were really handy because you could more easily subdue someone so you can get them in a position to tie them up. It's like putting on handcuffs. So wrist locks have their own place in history. And they have their own place in police-like 
professions. And they have, and wrist locks, of course, you know, have areas they should probably be left out of. So it's not just enough to say that wrist locks are useless. It's, um, you would want to say wrist locks are useless in actual combat fighting. But with the caveat that wrist locks do have a function in subduing peacefully, without harm, a semi-compliant perpetrator. All right, so uh, that's my piece on wrist locks. Um, there is another function with wrist locks, and it has to do with conditioning um, your joints, conditioning your muscles, safety, like um, injury prevention practices that I'm not talking about because it's somewhat of a new thing that I'm working on. Um, but the main point is, you know, are wrist locks totally useless? And uh, for the logical mind, it, uh, I think that's actually a more complex answer, and hopefully I laid that out clearly. Uh, think about it. See you next time.